This time on Poll Hub, we are living up to our name with polls, polls, and more polls. We're digging in deep to our new poll with our partners at NPR and PBS NewsHour. There's Biden's approval rating, the stress of COVID, trust in elections. I could go on, but then that's what we're all here to do. Also, some really interesting data from Pew on how polls have done on measuring COVID vaccination rates and what it says about the accuracy of polling in general. Then the coffee debate of the era. That is Lee's fun fact. I'm going to need another cup of joe just to get through this. I'll be right back. And hi, everybody. Welcome to Poll Hub. I'm J.D. Dapper. And I'm Barbara Carvalho. And I'm Lee Berenkoff. We uh, asked a lot of questions in our latest poll with uh, NPR and PBS News. There were a lot of, not so many questions, a lot of topics we covered uh, in, a sh- in a relatively short amount of time. Let's start with the, the one that um, is simple question. It was one question, but it gets a lot of attention, which is Biden's approval rating. Um, we have it uh, in this poll at, uh, for adults anyway, at 45% approved, 46% disapproved, a slight tick up from the lowest numbers that we had recorded for him earlier in the month, uh, very beginning of September. Um, what does it mean? And there are other polls that have him lower and declining still. There are other polls that have him increasing. I mean, wh- what does this all mean? Well, I think what's most noteworthy about the poll that um, we we uh, just uh, put out is not so much how many people actually approve of Joe Biden, but how many uh, disapprove. And so um, the last poll that we did, and we uh, put that out right at the uh, start of uh, September, it was right when we were, uh, the U.S. was withdrawing troops from Afghanistan. And uh, we found, like other polls, uh, national polls at that time, um, that a majority of Americans, 51 percent in in our NPR PBS NewsHour Maris poll, disapproved of the of uh, the job that Biden was doing in office. Uh, This time around, instead of seeing his uh, approval rating underwater, in other words, in the beginning of the month, his approval rating was 43 and the disapproval was 51. So that was an eight, a negative eight points uh, for him. Um, This time we see Americans dividing. 45% approved, 46% disapproved, and actually somewhat of a movement to unsure rather uh, rather than on one side or the other. And uh, probably from the White House's perspective, um, what we probably see here is at least a a stall um, uh, or a plateau um, in the in the decline, which all the national polls certainly showed over the summer months um, until uh, until the till the end of the summer, and some are still showing that uh, he hasn't rebounded. Yeah, I think if you're going to look at this and say, you know, he used to be underwater, now perhaps he's treading water. In other words, uh, the, you know, keep the analogy going. Like yeah, that. that's right. But but you know what I found interesting in this, uh, you know, the people who strongly disapprove still outnumber those who strongly approve, and that really hasn't. Uh, and that's a pretty significant number. Do you have that in front of you, Lee? Uh, I will momentarily, Barb. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. Strongly disapprove. Yeah. Strongly disapproves 37. Yeah. And 17 for strongly approve. Yeah. So so it's it's more than two to one on the uh, on the downside. So the intensity against Joe Biden is stronger than the love of him. And that's further indicated by this poll. When you talked about a rise in the unsures, what was interesting is that the Democrats are at 9% unsure. Republicans are only at 3% unsure. 
in terms of his approval rating. And similarly, people of color are in the double digits. So in a sense, some of his base is sort of taking in, I hate to say it, a little water uh, with, uh, you know, what's been going on, because he certainly has not had since Afghanistan to what's currently going on in Congress. Uh, he's not had a lot of victories. So there's a little bit of a, you know, competency challenge right now for him, a leadership challenge on both those fronts. Uh, but the good news for the White House would be that, you know, these Democrats and people of color are probably the easiest group to win back. So in fact, if he does get good results from the congressional negotiations right now, um, well, we would expect that those unsure would drop and the approval rating at 45 might go back up uh, to a closer than a, to a 50 range, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, we'll we'll see where that goes. Yeah, it is it is interesting because um, you know when we when we look at the the um, the support that Trump had during his presidency, I think one of the things that was very different and kind of startling to a lot of people was not just the fact that he had such strong support among his base, but that he continued to work on his base. In other words, he continued to uh, move policy towards his base. He, tend, he continued to feed his base. And I think that's a very different strategy um, than Joe Biden. Joe Biden seems to be more comfortable um, you know, looking at the center Democrat rather than um, the, you know, the, the strong uh, progressive Democrat. He, he's looking at independents who may be leaning Democrat or in other elections uh, you know, may go in the other direction. So he's, he just seems to be taking a different tact, different approach. But he doesn't really have a choice, Barb, because, uh, I mean, his Donald Trump's base was Donald Trump. It wasn't just Republicans. Joe Biden's base has an ideological split in it between progressive and, and moderate Democrats. So in a sense, it's not about Joe Biden like it was about Donald Trump. It's about how do you keep these folks who want very different policy goals within the Democratic tent together and does the spectrum of Donald Trump and 2022, is that enough to unify that? So in a sense, he's got a harder, harder, uh, you know, a tougher deck to de dealt with here. Let's put it in perspective. Donald Trump's high, dis uh, uh, strongly disapproved number was in the 40s, his entire administration. So <laughs> this is, this his is approval rating was. Uh, uh, yeah. And his approval rating. So, you know, it, it, but it, we're comparing to kind of the low bar of presidential politics over the course of an entire term. Well, but I think, but what I'm, what I'm, you know, what I think I'm comparing though was also just strategy and approach. Trump's strength is certainly that he, you know, he want, he, you know, he supported his base, his base supported him, and it was all about that. And I think to a surprise of a lot of people that he couldn't, that he didn't move more to the center and and extend and extend that base. Yeah, but that's been the strategies lately in politics. Uh, you know, feed the base, get the turnout, and hope you win. Um, you know, there's another question that we asked, which is always one that tells us a lot, but at the same time doesn't tell us exactly what we want to know. And that's the generic congressional ballot question, where we ask people if, you know, do you going to vote for your Democrat or your Republican in your congressional district? Recognizing that there's a whole bunch of congressional districts. It isn't a national vote. Nonetheless, it does provide us some indication of sort of democratic sentiment or Republican sentiment 
Uh, right now, it's obviously a long time away before the midterm elections. What we found in that was the Democrats were plus eight, which means right now, all things being equal, which they're not because of redistricting and the separate districts, um, the Democrats don't look like at this point that they're going to have a horrible time of things in the midterm elections. And I might add that when approval ratings and toss-up questions and all that have been challenged, um, our congressional ballot question in 2018 and in 2020 was very close to what it turned out nationally uh, in terms of the difference between Democrats and Republicans. So that one question seems to work very well in terms of uh, you know, getting a good valid measure of sentiment. We'll see where that goes. We only have a minute. I, I want to get to the other questions we asked in this poll because there's a, some really interesting stuff on, on the coronavirus. Um, the stress question, I think, is getting a lot of attention uh, for good reason. We asked if uh, compared to how people felt at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, it's been 18 months ago now when the lockdown started, to now, do you feel more stress, less stressed, or about as stressed? And I got to tell you, I was very surprised. 22%, only 20%, one in five say less stressed. And uh, more than one in three, 36% said more stress. That surprised me because we've got half of Americans, well, we got, you know, in the 70%, well north of 70% of people over 65 vaccinated, but we've got a majority of Americans vaccinated. Uh, and despite the Delta variant and the concerns, I just, I, it strikes me as notable that a third of people feel more stressed. And the plurality, 41% say that they're just as stressed now as they were at the start of the pandemic. So your point, Jay, is really well taken about the fact that, um, you know, we really, we haven't moved the needle um, all this, all that much in putting uh, COVID behind us. Um, certainly um, the debate over the vaccine, uh, the concern over uh, different variants have um, kept uh, Americans uh, on edge. Also, I, I think I'd like to point out is we also we asked about um, these vaccine mandates. And with people now going back to work and trying to find that normal, um, and although we all felt, I think, that we were out of routine, or many of us felt we were out of routine during the pandemic, um, we had figured out some kind of, our non-routine was a routine because now as we're all venturing back to, um, um, you know, back to work and to back to uh, a more normal state, um, there's still a lot of stress and a lot of concern. And I almost feel like we have this national disorientation. But uh, we did ask some questions about the vaccine. Did you want to jump in with those, Lee? Well, I was, I, I was going to just quickly say that um, that what I thought about the stress factor, uh, the vaccine, first of all, people are more comfortable having, you know, people, healthcare workers should be getting a vaccine. And if you're a federal contractor, that's probably not as uh, strong on the mandate, although it still was 51%. But I'd like to point out that on the stress, and we're going to move on to the, a related topic in a second, um, the folks who are more stressed by party are Republicans. They're Trump voters, not Biden voters, and they're rural residents. So what's happened is there's a huge difference right now between what was a national epidemic and now it's becoming much more a regional one where the hospital troubles and the deaths are occurring in the red areas in the country who were very slow to get the vaccine. So there's a big relationship between the two. And now those folks are saying, 
hey, we got a little bit more of a problem here than we thought. And that's because the crisis there is still very, very severe. Um, and that uh, anybody want to segue into the next topic because it, it couldn't come in. Uh, you know, but Barb, I'll let you do the segue. Well, this, thanks, Lee. This is thanks. perfect segue. Well, sure, because uh, polls, uh, polls, as we know, are, are estimates and give us a, a certainly a quicker and a less expensive way of finding out what people think than if we had to talk to everybody, particularly when we're looking at uh, large geographic areas like the nation. Um, but because they're estimates, we don't always have a lot of uh, ways of knowing whether polls are correct. In other words, making them accountable. Um, what is the real number? Uh, we have we certainly have the census where the where the government with where the federal government uh, tries to count everybody every 10 years. But besides that, we normally just have elections polls, you know, say who's going to win and by how much. And then we see on Election Day whether that was accurate or not. Well, COVID gave us another opportunity. And um, the Pew Research Center uh, actually examined the results of 98 polls uh, from 19 different organizations, including us. Uh, they started at the, um, the end of uh, 2020 um, and went through uh, June um, of this year. And then they compared those numbers uh, to the actual counts uh, from the CDC, the actual data on vaccination rates. And what Pew found is that polls were, national polls were actually pretty accurate, um, actually within 2.8 percentage points. Um, so does, does this give um, uh, pollsters more hope, uh, the, the public more confidence? Um, what are your thoughts, guys? Well, I, I certainly felt that. And I, I thought, you know, keep in mind, there's a few uh, asterisks that have to be uh, raised here. And one is certainly that when you do a poll of people who are in the process of getting vaccinated and your poll goes, let's say, for five or six days, the number of vaccinated is going to change during that period. So that accounts for some of the discrepancy in the numbers. Uh, they took that into consideration in terms of the overs and the unders. And when they averaged them out, it came in even more precise, which I thought was interesting. You know, election polls, you're really measuring future behavior, likely voters. Uh, this is a non-election poll. And as a result, it's, it's really looking at things people have done. Uh, and so that may make it a little bit easier. But having said those two kind of like caveats, asterisks, whatever you want to call them, these numbers really were very telling. And it showed that, you know, a very, very precise estimate in the national polls when, you know, we haven't just been getting that as much in elections. So there's no story now, except for this Pew Research, polls are right when it comes to measuring the vaccine. Yeah, where's the, where's the headlines on that, right? Yeah, where's yeah, there's, the, yeah there's, where, who's, who's doing those stories? So, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I was just going to say, uh, reports of the death of polling seems to have been really premature because, or wrong, because this is, uh, these are very precise numbers. Yeah. And they, and they looked, I think it's, it's, we, we ought to mention, they looked at 98 polls from 19 organizations, including Marist, over this period of time from late December, 2020 to June 30th. So this isn't, they looked at a couple of polls. This was a really thorough analysis. There's, there is one thing that strikes me where this is similar to election polls. You talked about election polls being 
really uh, looking at what future behavior would be. And so there is some explanation for problems with polls in that, you know, things can happen. Candidates can show up. There can be problems. There can be releases of, you know, FBI news conferences, things like that, that can, that can change things. This actually has some of that too, in that the CDC data is reported by the states to the CDC of vaccinations, and it can lag, and it's different in different states. And so where there is also error on the part of the pollsters in did you get vaccinated or not, or are you going to, and that takes place over a period of days, there's a field time, there's also this, this um, error possible with the CDC data in terms of trying to compare them and be apples to apples. Even with all of those caveats, though, though, of this plus or minus, this plus 0.3% error when you do the over and under is remarkable. I mean, it's really, truly remarkable. And I think it does put to rest some of this notion that polling on a national scale, that polling is broken. Uh, on a national scale, I think we've seen both in national numbers uh, and in this, that it's not broken. It's not broken. There, there may be issues, but it's not broken. I also went, I also went back because when I, you know, when I saw the 2.8 and I went, you know, I went through the Pew's methodology and you're right, uh, Jay, to point out that um, this wasn't just a haphazard look at a couple of polls. This was a pretty rigorous assessment of how the polls uh, were measuring uh, vaccination rates. Um, but I also thought, you know, gosh, that 2.8 sounds very familiar. And so when I looked back at the last few elections, um, what we what we did see now, certainly there was a large error in 2020 for national polls, which we've we've discussed. That was 4.5. Uh, but I went back to 2016. It was 2.2 for the national election. Now, granted, the result itself was surprising. But it's not because the national polls weren't telling telling the story. Um, and I think one of the interesting things here about looking at something like COVID um, is there's actually a statistic. Uh, there's a statistical margin of error, but there's not an editorial margin of error like there is in elections. So uh, when we're looking at elections, even if you're off by a little bit, if you've got the wrong winner, it sure doesn't. It sure doesn't feel good. <laughs> and you can be off by quite a bit as long as you have the right winner, because then people don't, you know, do the polls or wrong stories. So really, uh, yeah. yeah. But I, you know what I found in here, Barb? Uh, well, once you finish your point, then I'll I'll, I'll jump in. Well, no, no. It was just it, it was just part of my research over time, and 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 pollsters have been actually clocking how well they've been doing since 1936. And for those who, you know, are history buffs know that uh, that was a pretty tough year for pollsters and uh, one that one that went into the uh, the history books of things not not to do. Like like subscribe to Literary Digest for polls. Right, right. And be careful. Be careful who you poll. But I thought it was very interesting that over time, since 1936, the average error for all polling um, at the national level of presidential elections is 4.4. So plus or minus 4.4 uh, percentage points. So 2020 was actually at the average, not an outlier. Um, certainly, uh, polling has uh, been much more accurate over time. The uh, the 2021 was was uh, was an outlier in the sense that there hadn't been that wide an er 
uh, an error uh, for quite a number of decades. But then also the other thing I found was until 1952, polls consistently overstated Republicans. And it wasn't actually until the 1960s that they started overstating Democrats. And it's been you know, this 60 years uh, that we have seen uh, more of an overstatement um, of Democrats. So also not a new phenomenon. I know that didn't have to do with COVID, but I thought those were I thought those were interesting. I thought those were interesting facts. Well, let, let me let me segue back into COVID for one sec. And that is that, you know, we heard in the last elections, the two last presidential elections, you know, the Trump factor that that has thrown it off in terms of who people are talking and all that. Well, in the red states, in this particular poll on vaccines, the red states are showing up with people just like the blue states. So there wasn't this non-differential response or differential non-response, rather. There was a, a, a notion here, the Trump people are talking to pollsters when it comes to vaccines, at least, and why shouldn't they? So anyway... But you have uh, a, you have another yeah. you have kind of an, another yeah. debate and another election of sorts <laughs> as part of your fun factly. Yeah. yeah, well, we we, we our, our producer Ashley uh, Marshnick, we've been telling her to you know, she, we tend to ignore her signals, uh, but she's waving right now a cup of coffee at me, uh, and that probably has something to do with my fun fact, which is in fact according to a survey which was done by the Public Religion Research Institute on race case. Race, class, and culture in 2012. Would you prefer Dunkin' Donuts to shop at or Starbucks? And the answer is, I thought somewhat surprising. Dunkin' Donuts by 15%. 48 to 33 over Starbucks. 15 points. 15 15 points. points, I'm sorry. And and I I found that surprising. Uh, I would prefer to be a Dunkin' Donut person myself. Uh, but I'm not usually in the uh, larger group of Americans. Uh, did you do you find this surprising, this result, or is this sort of what you expected? I'm not a coffee drinker, as you guys know, um, but certainly um, the the treats um, are much more enticing at Dunkin' Donuts than they are at at Starbucks. So I would be. I would be a Duncan person, but I think they were talking coffee here. I, I do think, yeah, I do, but I do think it's worth pointing out. The question is, would you prefer to shop at Duncan yeah, or Starbucks? Yeah. So it's not as much as we're talking about coffee. It's not necessarily. I think the implication is it's about coffee, but it may not be about coffee. But uh, let's go around the horn real quick. Uh, Ashley, let's start with you. Duncan or Starbucks, you can hold up your Starbucks cup as you tell us. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, that I am a Dunkin' Donuts gal. I, I have ah. one. Um, I'm from Connecticut. There are Dunkin' Donuts everywhere. And there is one that was walking distance from my house. So my friends and I would always go there because I'm from a small town. There's only like three places to go. So I love a good Dunkin' Donuts. Did you say three, three yeah. places or third? Three. No, three. three. It's three. like a bank, a nail salon, and then like a Dunkin' Donuts. Well, that covers it. I mean, what more do you need in life? Where do you get your car <laughs> gas? <laughs> so Marcello, what about you? I'm I'm in it for the donuts, so I am Dunkin' all the way. <laughs> Casey? See, that's I'm split too there because I'm Dunkin' Donuts for food other than the pumpkin scone at Starbucks, the Dunkin' Donuts does the food better, but Starbucks, I like their coffee better. 
Yeah. And Mr. Dadapper, I think I know where you're going on this. Well, so, yeah, but what I'm going to go is that uh, I, I always seek out, and this is going to sound so precious, I always seek out local coffee places because the uh, same way I seek out a local bookstore back in the days when there were bookstores, as opposed to the big chains to try and support local folks. So here, when I'm near campus, I will go, there's a new place that's nearby here that opened in a little infill urban complex. There's a place down by the train station I'll drive over to. There's a place up in Hyde Park yeah. uh, that I'll drive to. Um, but we do have coffee in the office. So I guess I'm a Keurig guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but but if, if forced, I mean, you know, we're not letting you away. You, you go Starbucks over Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I prefer, yeah, because I drink iced coffee and the Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee uh, is fine, but um, it's better at Starbucks because they do a lighter roast. Yeah, and and, and I, I get the last word about my fun fact, I guess. And that is, I also interpret this, do I want a chocolate frosted donut? Or a cup of coffee in Starbucks. <laughs> and there's no comparison there. So I think that there was a little bit of confusion. What am I shopping at exactly when I go to Dunkin' Donuts? And what am I shopping at when I go to Starbucks? Question wording is important. And we're going to see you all next week to discuss, oh gosh, whatever's going on then. That'll do it for Poll Hub this week. Poll Hub is a production of the Marist Poll at Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our executive producer. Casey Schaff is our production supervisor. The Poll Hub team includes Ashley Marcinek and Marcello Bettman. If you enjoy Poll Hub, please consider leaving a review. Positive reviews help other like-minded listeners find us. If you'd like to learn more about polling and survey science, check out the Marist Poll Academy, our free online learning portal. If you have any questions, tweet them at us at Marist Poll. Finally, however, wherever you listen to Poll Hub, there is a subscribe button. Click it, and the latest episode will be ready for you in your podcasting app as soon as it's released. We'll see you next time.